This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yeah, of course, the only safe uh, we had. So with 11 players, we were better with 10 as well. So it's not easy to play against them. So the last 10 games before this game, they just last two. The last game against we were 94 minutes. So a difficult top side. They defend really well. And uh, last se seasons, we suffer them. They expect we lost our patience, you know, to be more um, not attacking the right moment and after they punish you with the Traoreo and the other players they can run and they are so fast, the pace they have. But we were patient and uh, yeah, we deserve to win. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Pep Guardiola extremely happy with patient Man City over the weekend. Tell you what, it was a weekend of penalty deciders, wasn't it? Welcome to the Monday show. This is off the ball with me, Ross, and the guys. I, it's it's quite a sad one, actually. I've got two Craigs on tonight. First, let me introduce Craig Wilkie. Hello, Craig. Good evening, Ross. I we've been trying so hard not to talk about VR, but I have a feeling it might just come up tonight. <laughs> it might just come up this evening because Des Corkill is also here. Hello, Des. Well, I'm, I'm glad that the reputation sticks, but I'm actually more about the soft penalties, which are everyone will say, oh, they were all penalties. Tell you what, I don't think any of the big three were penalties. Um, Craig Marias, it's his last show with us. I think we've got him for half a show before he actually literally has to jump on a plane. <laughs> yes, I mean, I can't, I can't believe I'm doing this. I mean, what, what a journey it's been with you guys. Um, 11 years, I think it is, Ross, um, yeah. when we discussed it. It's and, all right. Uh, I, I told MS to hold the flight, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all <laughs> balls down to this half hour. All balls down to the half hour. <laughs> Listen, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Um, also, I hope your, your fantasy football team did well this weekend. I'm not even going to talk about mine. Uh, this season's BFM Fantasy League is brought to you by my dash soccer.com right you've of course seen the football over the weekend lots of penalties to talk about we heard pep at the start so let's start with that early kickoff on saturday man city won wolves nil raul jimenez silliest two yellow cards you will ever see in professional football um uh, craig wilkie i mean wolves shot themselves in the foot really they they, they obviously went there with the game plan they, they're pretty well coached but to do it with 10 men against City is, is asking a bit much. It is a bit, isn't it? Uh, well, like you say, the, the Jimenez incident just, you know, got whatever game plan they had prior to that just made it so much more difficult. And Wolves, it's kind of how they played for much of the season. You know, they, I don't think they've been the most attacking outfit, but they've got themselves very solid. They've got themselves very compact. They've become very difficult to play against. And it's interesting. A lot of people were saying before the game, this could be quite a difficult match for City. And so it turned out to be. And maybe in a way, after the Jimenez sending off, they just retreated even further back. You know, got more men behind the ball, playing even deeper. And so Pep is right about the patient aspect. You know, City did have to, to wait a little bit. I think they were well below their best, but still find a way to win. And that's maybe what we saw from, from all of the, the leading contenders this, this weekend. But I didn't think it was a great game of football, to be honest. Maybe the sending off had a bearing on that. Um, City were a bit slow for me. Maybe that was partly Wolves' game plan as well, just slowing the whole game down in, in terms of how they were trying to keep it tight. But Grealish as well, you know, there's, there's a question. I think, you know, he's... To start with, I thought he did okay, settling into that side, but he seems to be carrying a bit of a burden, whatever it might be. 
And I, I actually thought that in the absence of De Bruyne, it's where we would really see the best of Grealish because he would become the playmaking influence at City. But it hasn't quite happened as yet. And it was interesting when he was taken off, you could see Pep going over and having a word with him, almost trying to G him up a little bit, give him some of that confidence back that he seems to be lacking right now. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a laboured performance by City, but did enough, deserved to win the game. But yeah, Wolves, if, you, if you're going to go and get a man sent off in those circumstances, you're going to make life difficult for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, I, I look at Wolves and, and I, I look at Adama Traore and I think, how does that guy not put two and two together, Craig Marais? How, how does, he's got everything. He can literally turn a guy, boom, he's off and he'll burn him. I mean, that's the, that's the golden question, isn't it? I mean, why? Uh, I mean, why is Adama Traore, with all the, the qualities that he has, why is he not playing at a much higher level? And uh, I mean, I think I mentioned it, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, the tools are there. It's just, you know, sharpening them and, and, and getting them to function. I think, to be fair to him, I think he's actually improved um, under, under Langer than he did uh, under Nuno, uh, personally, because I think he's, he's a lot more direct with it. Um, he's, I, I know the goals and assists haven't quite been there, but I, I see signs with him playing more centrally. Um, I, I see more influence on the games. He's hurting uh, defenders a lot more. I think it was last week's match, you know, where, where he beat his man, smashed it against the crossbar. Um, yes, it's still considered a miss, but I mean, it's just glimpses of, of what I think um, he will or how he will develop in the next um, in the next few months. So I think playing him in those central areas is really going to hurt teams really, uh, really bad. So um, I liked what I liked how Wolves set up. Um, Huang obviously got dropped to the bench. Uh, Chaira came in to, to try and hurt them a little bit. But I agree with Craig, you know, it, it was a poor game. Um, mm. You know, this was a game I thought, you know, be, would be one that, that would have to watch. Um, and I was very disappointed by it. City looked lethargic, um, a little bit clueless at times. Um, and yes, there is a hundred million pound question about Jack Grealish. Um, and it has to be asked because I think there's a lot of other players in the league that get a lot of stick uh, for their transfer fees. Jack Grealish is not quite getting the same, same kind of stick. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to come to Des Corker now. Des, you're going to say that it hit Jao Moutinho on the ribs, aren't you? Well, no. Firstly, I'm going to say, what is this Wolves Love Fest all about? They're the tw uh, 2021 Burnley. I think they give all the time. <laughs> oh, harsh. I, th I think That's they give all to Adama Traore. Ask Traore to beat five players and complain when he doesn't put a perfect cross onto Raul Jimenez's head. But Jimenez wasn't there because he was sent off for the most ridiculous red card you can possibly imagine. If he is not docked a month's wages for that rank <laughs> stupidity, there is something incredibly wrong with modern football. It's all... He's cheated. He's cheated. He's deserved everything he's, he's deserved. Wolves, just sit back and bore the pants off you. So what is this Wolves love fest all about? Saying that, I thought the penalty was incredibly, incredibly harsh. In modern rules, oh, it was adjacent to the corner of the of shoulder and therefore one millimetre inside. And we took the, the square root of the hypotenuse and we worked out it was a penalty after <laughs> 15 people looked at it. Therefore, it's a clear on penalty. Tell you what, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, this isn't even close to a penalty. This is really, really bad. Really bad. VR is dreadful because it's deciding things by millimeters. And this, this, this is, it's hit his underarm. Yeah. It's hit his underarm. 
also it might have hit a little bit, bit of the arm but it's not a deliberate handball his arm's not in a natural position is the latest thing ye gods you are running this game into such microcosms that you are killing it so wolves are dreadful deserve everything they get i'm glad a penalty was awarded against them even though it wasn't a penalty <laughs> moving on, moving on. Because so many VAR controversies to discuss. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. It's going to be that kind of Monday night for you. <laughs> Leeds three. Uh, sorry, Chelsea three. Leeds two. Uh, Jorginho's stoppage time penalty oh. ensures oh. that Chelsea uh, stop conceding ground on the leaders. Um, a much needed win, Craig Wilkie. Uh, go on and tell me what you thought of the penalties here. Well, I don't always agree with Des, but on, on this one, on the general theme, I, and the point that Des makes is the right one, is that the nature of the game has changed in a, in a pretty fundamental way because when we were all growing up playing football and watching football, none of those were penalties. They, they really weren't. I mean, they're just a referee. You didn't need a camera looking at it afterwards. Anybody looking at it is saying, no, that, that's, that's not a foul, right? And the, it's, it's the way the game has gone. Um, for better or worse, I, I fear worse in, in many instances. And you can tell an incident such as when Rudiger is <laughs> on the deck and he's got that little smirk on his face and he, 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 he knows fine well that he, he hasn't been fouled or he hasn't been, been fouled in any major way. And it was, I mean, we, we spoke about it wasn't a great game, City Wolves. This was a very good game, which yeah. was to some extent ruined by some very, very poor refereeing decisions. And Chelsea got a little bit lucky because, yeah, you could say maybe on the balance of play, they, they just about deserve to eke out a win. But they've had a few performances like that of late where they haven't been entirely convincing. They're definitely missing Kante, Kovacic, some combination of those two just to bring that little bit of control in midfield. But give some credit to Jorginho. I mean, he's, I know he's missed a few in his time, but he's such a cool, composed guy on the ball. And then when he's put in those pressure situations, you know, he steps up and... Maybe he has a little hesitation in his run, but he knows in his mind what he wants to do with them. And he, the penalties were really good. The actual execution of them, yeah. just the, the debate which will linger about the award of them. That's all. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's the weekend in a nutshell, really. Um, for, for a while, Craig Marais, it looked like Joe Gelhart might have saved the point for Leeds United. And you wouldn't have begrudged them that. You would have thought, you know, a, a, a well-deserved point. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think, you know, they went there and they, they, they took the game to Chelsea, really. Exactly. Um, you know, what, what I liked about this match was, uh, I mean, this season, Leeds haven't been the Leeds that we saw last season. You know, and, um, you know, it would have been very easy for them to, to kind of sit back and, and you know, hit, hit them on the counter and things like that. But they, they were on the front foot. They played on the front foot. They, they knew Chelsea have, have been having a bit of a wobble in recent times. Um, so they went with the mindset, look, let's have a go at them. And uh, it, it, it's interesting because Leeds, they, they do have a few injuries. I mean, it's hard to ignore that. You know, they've got some key players out and they don't have a very big squad. Um, but, you know, I, I, I admire them for, for going there, trying to make a game out of it. I, I thought they were very unlucky um, not to come away with something. And, and you know, we're going to go on to Man United and, and, and Norwich later on. And, and it was the same kind of view. Uh, for me personally, but um, I thought Leeds deserved at least, at the very least, a point. Uh, but I agree with Craig. Um, I think they're missing some key plays in that midfield. Uh, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, great talent, um, but, you know, he's, you just need a bit more experience sometimes in games like that um, to, to, to kind of see it out. Um, Jorginho, execution, fantastic. But, you know, I mean, Timo Werner, still there are going to be questions. Uh, Lukaku, Kai Havertz, 
Um, it, you know, it's, it's all just a bit, um, you know, up front, you know, where, where we expected a lot more from Chelsea this season. You know, it's gone a bit stale up there. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they, they find their form again. All right. Uh, Chelsea in action uh, later this week. Talk about that later. I'm not even going to let Des comment on, on that one. We're, we're going to move straight on to Anfield, where Steven Gerrard made a losing return as Aston Villa manager. I like the fact that he applauded the Villa fans and then he just politely waved to the cop. I thought respect shown very well there. He conducted himself really well. And I thought, Villa were, well, they come across as a really well-coached side, don't they, Des? Yeah, they, they did and they were. And Gerard comes out of this with a, a 100% in how he treated it. He's Villa's manager and they're the responsibility. And that is just fabulous. And he kicked every ball. He wins the fact that Salah was given a penalty and that um, Alisson wasn't penalised for what would have been the softest penalty of the weekend. And there were some darn soft penalties uh, up at the other end. Uh, Villa were, were difficult to break down. I thought Tyrone Mings was immense. Yeah. And yeah. it was really harsh. Until uh, that. <laughs> until, until that until moment. Yeah. But at every ball away, I'm convinced there were four of him. Convinced. <laughs> yeah. He was huge. He was magnificent. But Liverpool... The pressure they put on, it is incredible. They press and they press and Thiago's meant to be not fit enough. He's wonderful. And Fabinho's got uh, three people around him. So it means Van Dijk and Matip are defending kind of two defenders against Watkins, Young and Ramsey or whoever comes on. Liverpool are just, oh, incredible. And we, Liverpool fans, I, you know I'm a Liverpool man. We should just really enjoy what we are seeing at the moment. Because, it's, because it is outstanding. Even in a tough 1-0, chances were created. We were unlucky. We could have had more. Martinez made a couple of se mm. sensational saves. I think Villa played really well defensively. And they tried to go forward. They just weren't allowed to go forward. There's a difference between not being able to go forward and not trying to go forward. And Villa did try to go forward until the last 10 minutes. And then yeah. they created really one or two problems. I think this is a great game where everyone came out absolutely on top and it was a great advert for the game and not only at the top level but I think for Villa and they should be really encouraged of what uh, um, Steven Gerrard has built upon we thought Villa would be good I think they are going to be good at the end of the season yeah Liverpool are, are frighteningly good uh, Craig Wilkie uh, Bob on Friday said that Liverpool now are as good as they were when they won the league back back then they're, they're clicking it as well as would you agree with that definitely getting up to those sorts of levels um, we can maybe debate those one or two percentage points as to, to where they are in relation to that title winning season. But this, this was a game which was more about the points than the performance. And I, I think the performance was okay. Um, Des is right that the, the intensity is back. That, that's what was lacking last season. You know, that, that ability to press for 80 or 90 minutes. And you can see even against a quality side like Villa, it's so hard to resist that. And that comes with really talented players working hard and doing the sort of job that, that Klopp asks of them. I thought, you know, Des mentioned Matip. Uh, what a revelation he's been this season, especially in the last month or so. I, I think a lot of us wondered at the start of the season what the first choice centre-back pairing would be. Obviously Van Dijk, but who would the partner be? And, and Matip has really played his way into that position. And his quality on the ball, you know, he goes on some of those runs where he goes past two or three players and he starts to open things up, especially against teams that are going to sit back a little bit at Anfield. He's got a great range of passing on him as well. Uh, and then Liverpool, you know, when you've got Salah, <laughs> you, you've always got a chance. 
the one thing that will be a little bit of a concern, though, is that that squad, especially when you lose a couple of players to the African nations and so on, Oxley Chamberlain didn't look comfortable playing as a false nine. You know, so Arigi's picked up an injury. So there, there will be some pressure put on that squad if players get injured or, or when those players leave for a little while. So I think January could be a very, very important month, not only in terms of the games, but whether some players might come in to strengthen the squad as well. 19 other clubs going, come on, January. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, first break. Stick with us. Back right after this. Any critics of VAR? There we saw it worked perfectly well. It took a long time, but it was the right decision. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. That's a brilliant goal. Cool as you like. That's the finish of a man who scored 15 or 20 for the last couple of campaigns. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And here we are, Craig Wilkie, Craig Marias, Des Corkill, joining me this Monday evening to look back on game week 16. We talked about the top three and some dodgy penalty appeals. Uh, Norwich nil. Man United won. Cristiano Ronaldo earned and scored the penalty, Craig Marias. Um, uh, it was not a vintage performance. Um, you're gonna you're gonna say Norwich probably deserves something out of that, aren't you? Yeah, uh, I, I just uh, said it earlier on. You know, I, I I thought this was a game similarly to to Leeds, um, where you know they, they didn't really get the result that they deserved. Norwich, and um, it it was a poor United performance. I think Norwich came. Uh, I thought Timo Pukki was 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 really good. Yeah. Um, I thought he bullied Lindelof the whole game. Um, it, it was really good, and it was just a shame he couldn't cap it off with a goal. Um, but David De Gea, I mean, we, we can't talk about uh, this game without talking about David De Gea. And, every uh, game, what a, every United Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's good to see, because obviously he, he, he's been through a dip over the last couple of years, and, and I think prior to that, he was uh, arguably one of the best keepers in the world. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, confidence and, and this, that, the other, something's happened. Um, and, and it allowed uh, someone like Dean Henderson to come in and, and, and stake a claim for that number one. But, I mean, he's been absolutely immense this season, uh, David De Gea, and, and some of the saves he pulled out yesterday, uh, one from the top corner, one from, I think it was uh, Kabak's header. Um, yeah, absolutely, it was really, really good. And, and yeah, he, he got United the three points. Um, it was poor from United. I know new manager and everything, but, I mean, the football, uh, the past couple of games um, hasn't been great. Uh, in my opinion, um, it hasn't been spit too too rigid. Um, you know, Sancho doesn't look very comfortable playing that ten. Although um, I do feel that you know it's a position where he's going to get a lot of the ball. Um, so so he should be doing better at times. You know, you, you sometimes you just ask him to beat his man. Um, I, I thought Fred and McTominay actually. Sorry, apart from De Gea, Fred and McTominay were, were fantastic yeah, in midfield. They put in a real real good shift. Uh, but it was just the final third where everything looks a bit stale in the run out of, out of ideas. Rashford, um, you know, just still not back to his best at all. Um, I thought a break away from the game would do him the world of good. Uh, but it seems, um, it seems, you know, he's still got um, other things uh, occupying his time, um, which which might be distracting him from uh, from football. But over and all, it's about three points, isn't it? A controversial penalty. <laughs> from Ronaldo and I think Des will elaborate on that a little bit more um, but you know it's all about three points and especially at a time when you know everyone above you is winning games uh, United had to win and they did yeah uh, we, I think with Marcus he's got to sort that haircut out he's 
got to decide on something for that hair anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, Norwich, we, we, we talk about, well, recently, they've shown a lot of fight. I, I, I thought um, Billy Gilmore was standout in that Norwich City midfield. He, he practically ran the midfield for them. He was that good, Des Corkill. But is it too late? For them, I mean, they, they're a way off at the bottom, aren't they? Yeah, it's looking a bit difficult. Um, I'm going to kind of ignore your question and I'd, I'd just um, go back to sometime last year when people were saying that Dean Henderson was a rival to David De Gea. And I publicly and very vocally scoffed at the idea that Henderson was even in the same atmosphere as David De Gea. <laughs> De Gea, by his own standards, dropped, but he was still a ton better than Dean Henderson. And his save from Timo Pukki, the one from Kovac is, is, is top yeah. draw. The one from Pukki... Top is, corner. Oh, my top corner word. Yeah. That yeah. defies physics, and he's so quick. And he gets a good hand to it, and it's a sensational save. So I think without David here, we'd be saying, Ranić out, bring back Ole. <laughs> that would be the dream as for Norwich well they're neat and tidy and they're pretty I don't see where the goals are going to come from despite the hair's uh, two big saves because um, uh, they don't defend well enough um, it, it was a good thing that Grant Hanley went off because they were a bit more mobile defensively but um, I just don't think they're good enough Billy Gilmore is good but he's not penetrative he yeah. doesn't put the, the killer passes in. He retains possession, which is sensational. Uh, and he's, he's, he's um, so light on his feet. But he doesn't play in those killer balls. And Norwich don't, enough, don't get enough bodies in the penalty area uh, on enough occasions to win enough games. So I fear for Norwich. I, I don't think they'll be cast adrift. But I do fear for them because I'm not sure they'll be able to score enough goals. As for the penalty, I thought this was the only penalty that I've seen this weekend that was a penalty. Nice. I'm okay with that. Ralph Ragnick becomes only the second Man United manager to register a clean sheet in his first two league games in charge Boring. after Ernest Magnell in 1903. For Bob Holmes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, sorry, Bob. <laughs> Arsenal 3, Southampton nil was an earlier Saturday game. Arsenal boosting their hopes of Champions League qualification. Um, game started on a down note, really, Craig Wilkie. Uh, we, we, hear, we heard that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was, was not picked. He was dropped and apparently he, he broke one of the club rules. I understand he returned late from a trip abroad and, and that's non-negotiable for Arteta. So Lacazette took up the captain's armband, did all right. Arsenal 3-0 winners. Yeah, so... So Aubameyang wasn't there at training, a bit like Mike Phelan, right? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ole. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, Arsenal, we know, I guess they've had some off-field problems for a while now with different players, and, and that seems to be a recurring theme a little bit at, at that club. But this, to me, still counts as progress at Arsenal and for Arteta, because we know that they're still a long way from the cities and the Chelsea's, right? And that gap is going to take a bit of time to close. There's a lot more work to be done to get there. There's probably a lot more money that's going to have to be spent to get there. But the priority for now is how can you make sure that, let's say Arsenal are the fifth best squad in the league, which is maybe about what they are when you look at it on paper. How do they get themselves into that position? And that means winning those games that you're expected to win. Home games against the likes of Southampton and winning it reasonably comfortably. And that's exactly what they did. And we've seen more of that in recent weeks from Arsenal. Not so much drama around 
a victory like that. This is the sort of game that they might have dropped points in in recent seasons. And they came out with a, a pretty comfortable win in the end. And I think that's what will give Arteta some hope and some confidence in. He's got good players coming into form. I thought Odegaard had a really good game. Yeah. Saka, for example, had a bit of a dip after the Euros. Maybe his confidence was knocked by you know the way that tournament ended. But he looks back, maybe not quite to his best, but a lot closer to it, sharper, creating things. And when you've got good players like that on the ball and, and feeling confident and getting on the ball in some of those dangerous areas, then you're going to create chances and you're going to score goals. And unfortunately for Southampton, on the other hand, I think their season is starting to go downhill pretty fast. And they're already now getting pulled into that relegation battle. And, and I, I fear they're going to stay there until the end of the season. And it's going to be a very competitive relegation battle, as we've talked about before. Uh, poor Ralph Hasenhuttle had Willie Caballero between the sticks for Southampton. <laughs> Alex McCarthy out with a thigh injury. Fraser Foster missing. Uh, so they signed free signing Willie Caballero. But actually, Craig Marias, it's the other goalie I want to talk about. Aaron Ramsdale. Since that move to Arsenal, wow, you look at him and you go, England's goalie, England's goalie. Yeah, um, and I was one of those who kind of scoffed and laughed at the move uh, when they paid that kind of money for him. Um, this was a keeper who's been relegated the past two seasons. Um, and whenever I've watched him, whether it's been at Bournemouth or, or Sheffield United, you know, he's never really impressed me. Uh, but somehow managers um, have rated him and, and they've obviously seen something. Um, that he has because um, he's show, showing it now when for Arteta to kind of pay the money that he did for him uh, was it 25 million was it yeah um, uh, that they paid for him and uh, more than that was it this 30 yeah. 30. 30 million 30 yeah 30 million I mean it's it's a lot of money for a keeper who's been relegated twice and um, you know played played all the games and, and like I said you know there's nothing to suggest um, that he was going to be as good as he is now. But Arsenal took that gamble. Uh, they were willing to. And um, I think it's paying off. I mean, some of the saves he's made this season already. I mean, I talk about De Gea and, and, and saying, you know, how good that they've been. But let's not forget um, Ramsdale's save, save against Leicester. Um, you know, again, yesterday, absolutely fantastic. He's got a bit of distribution behind him as well. Exactly. Um, he uh, set with, up with, the with, goal with and all got, got yeah. it going, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so um, he, I mean, he it seems like he's got the, the whole package. I don't think I'll be shouting for him to be England's number one just yet. Um, I, I think he's still a bit raw to, to kind of throw him into it. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see him, obviously, with Jordan Pickford still got, got a few years ahead of him. Um, I can see him really pushing Jordan Pickford um, in that number one spot. But um, again, good recruitment uh, from Arsenal. Proved me wrong. Uh, I'm going to say, like I said, you know, I was one of those who who was laughing at that move. But he seems like a, a bit of value for, for, for the pound. Uh, it's Arteta's team. They're growing on the job. Uh, as you saw in the games against Liverpool and Manchester City, they got absolutely walloped. So they're not at that level. But you can see what is happening. I love the fact that Aubameyang isn't too big for the team. I love the fact that he disobeys rules and gets uh, taken out. It tells you that the players aren't always in control. And when a coach is given control and he can bring Lacazette in and offload Aubameyang, it might change Aubameyang's uh, attitude and get him to say, hey, right, this is a club worth playing for because we're going to go to go places. So I think, yes, Arsenal are a, a work in progress, not top four yet, but you can see they are certainly heading in the right direction. All right, I tell you what, this is where we're going to say goodbye to one Craig. Craig Marias, I, I like to get on record, say thank you for, what is it, 11 years punditry that you yeah. put in? 
uh, yeah. on radio. Uh, you, you're off to Manchester with the wife and the dog and the cat and 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 a lot of clothes. Two dogs. Two dogs. Two, two dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a cat, yeah. a guinea pig, and a little mouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, we wish you all the best. But but I mean, stay in touch. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'll be listening to the show from afar. Um, and I'd just like to say thank you, Ross, for giving me the opportunity uh, to to do this. You know, I've having an absolutely fantastic eleven years um, on on BFM and and doing the show with all you guys doing with Craig, Des, and, you know, a lot of other people. Um, yeah, it's just been an honor, really, to, to do it, you know, to the whole of Malaysia. And uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Like I said, you know, I'll still be around, still be following you guys, listening to the show. And uh, good luck uh, for the future for the show. Cheers. Brilliantly said. All right, we're going to a break. We're not quite done yet. Back right after this. Fully commits to the strike, and it's a beautiful stroke right into the bottom corner. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And you're thinking, well, will he look to knock it inside? Well, goal scorers tend not to. And that's inch perfect. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Welcome back. We are one Craig short after that break. I do still have with me Craig Wilkie and Des Corkill. You can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. On with the weekend's footy then on Sunday. Leicester City 4, Newcastle 0. Um, uh, we're we're going to talk about two clubs who are in a very sad situation in the next 10, 10 minutes. First of those clubs, Craig Wilkie, is Newcastle United. I mean, all the money in the world. Um, look, I mean, they've got a run of games coming up. They've got two Manchester clubs and Liverpool coming up soon. <laughs> so you need it not to get tonked yeah. by Leicester City. And and that didn't work out too well. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Eddie Howe, right? With that fixture list. Um, well, you mentioned all the money in the world, but they haven't had an opportunity to spend it as yet. And the question is, when they, when they do come, they're available to spend it in the January window, how many players are going to want to take up that relegation battle who, who Newcastle might be in the market for? And they're going to need some, looking at the current squad and the current form. To me, it's not going to Leicester and losing. You can do that. I know Leicester haven't been on the, the greatest run themselves but it's the manner of the defeat when you know that you're down there scrapping for your lives in terms of the relegation zone you've got to show more fight you've got to show more spirit and to be fair to Eddie Howe I thought he sent out a very attacking lineup you know he had Joe Linton he had St Maximin he had Wilson he had Almiron all there all there starting so it was very much a case of we're going to try and take the game to Leicester but for all that attacking talent they created almost nothing yeah. It was so comfortable for Leicester. And the problem that Newcastle have had all season and so far, and I know it's early days, but so far Howe hasn't been able to fix, is that they're so easy to play through. And when you make mistakes like they did for the first goal, I know playing the ball out from the back is the fashion these days, but there's a time and a place, and that was neither. And Shelby's given it away, and then they concede the penalty. And when you make a mistake like that against good quality players like Leicester have, and you put yourself under that sort of pressure in the situation that Newcastle are in, then it, it was inevitable to me what was going to happen after that. And maybe the only surprise at the end was, was that it was just, just four. I mean, Leicester were so dominant, it could have been five or six. That's yeah. how bad it was for Newcastle. Yeah. Um, Kasper Schmeichel even had to save a <laughs> Timothy Castagna own goal. So that, and that was the most trouble he was in. Was, it was a back was pass. The most troubling the Newcastle <laughs> front line were. No, I mean, Leicester came into the match reeling from their Europa League exit, Des. But... Tielemans coming back into the side is massive. And James Madison 
is hitting good form. And when you've got those two players firing, Leicester become formidable, don't they? Uh, they do. I'd like to actually point out Pat and Daka. I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Good point. Slowly but surely, Jamie Vardy is being not eased out, but they realise he cannot go on forever. But and they so can afford to rest him now, can't they? Exactly. And Patson Dacker has come in and made a, a real impact. And I thought he was a he was a real uh, troublemaker for sure and uh, Lascelles at the back. Um, but Leicester, as you say, haven't set the world on fire today that, uh, so far this season. This is the kind of contest that you need to actually say, hey, listen, we are a decent team. We, we did make it to Europe last year on the back of some very good league performances. And they're only three points, well, four points, I suppose, off Arsenal in sixth place. Um, Tottenham have got games in hand. So even though they've had a stuttering start, they're not a million miles away from European qualification. And this was just a big confidence booster. The yeah. worrying thing, as far as I was concerned, with Newcastle was uh, they were bickering with each other. There was yeah. arguing going yeah. on. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't productive arguing. It was finger-pointing arguing. And that is the worst kind of... Um, atmosphere to have any team in you've got to be in these things together and they didn't look as though was the togetherness there for for Newcastle particularly after the second goal went in the third and fourth goals very very late on they're just an indication of a team who aren't really battling at 100% but the second goal after that there was some serious finger pointing going on uh, and there was no movement either with with a um, Dakar when the through ball was made that to me is the most concerning thing for um, uh, Eddie Howe, he's got to get a, a togetherness and a team spirit going, no matter who he brings in. Yeah, a mammoth task ahead of Eddie Howe there. Um, Burnley and West Ham fought out a nil-nil draw, actually to be expected. Nick Pope covered himself in glory in that game. But I want to talk about the later game. Crystal Palace 3, Everton 1. Everton's wretched season continues. Uh, Richarlison hooked. Uh, booed, uh, not not Richarlison, the fans booed Rafa's decision to take Richarlison off. Richarlison showed petulance coming off. Um, it's all not going very well. Crystal Palace clearly outclassed Everton, Craig Wilkie, in that first half. They were two up and cruising. Yeah, well, Des just mentioned the atmosphere in the squad when it comes to Newcastle, and maybe you could say something similar yeah, about Everton. Absolutely. Those, and it's a combination of factors, right? I mean, Footballers are human beings and they their confidence increases or decreases like anybody else's, depending on what's happening around them. And they've been through a very bad run of form in the last few months. Uh, you know, they, they just don't look like they've got a system of play that's working for them. People have come in and out of the team. I know they've had injuries. They've still got, you know, Calvert-Lewin is obviously still a big miss. But there's so many basic things that just don't seem to be right. And, and whether that's something that's happening behind the scenes or whether it's tactically, whatever it might be, it's, it's not a good situation at all. And we come back again to just some of those absolute basics of the game. You know, the, if you're going to concede a goal like, like they did early on, you know, when, when Gray tries to just cushion that little pass back and he gets it so wrong, and then you put your defence under pressure and, of course, Palace take advantage and, and score a good goal from their point of view. But they just look panicky. They look a bit jittery. When it comes to defending set pieces as well, we've seen them concede a lot of goals in that way and it happened again. And these are all the sorts of things that you might have imagined Rafa coming in would have tightened up. Uh, but I personally wasn't entirely convinced by the job that he did at Newcastle last time out. I thought he did okay, but nothing spectacular. Uh, and it's not working out very well right now at Everton. And we know when it gets to this time of year, if things are not going well, that 
you know, boards will boards will start to ask questions and we'll start to look. And there's no question that Rafa's under pressure right now. No Let's stick a caveat that. in here then. Um, at the time of us recording this, Monday <laughs> afternoon, Rafa's still in a job. <laughs> but I mean, Crystal Palace, take nothing away. Conor Gallagher is the standout. He now has six goals and is the top scorer for Palace in the Premier League this season. He's, of course, Des on loan from Chelsea, but it's a weird one. Patrick Vieira really wants to make the deal permanent. The, the more Conor Gallagher carries on, plays well, the more unattainable he will be for Crystal Palace because his wage demands go up, the price goes up, all the other clubs want him. Chelsea will probably not want to sell him. So it's a strange one. But you live for the moment. Um, yeah, I don't that's think, football, you, you, isn't it? You, yeah, it, it certainly is. And uh, I, I think I'm saying this about the top teams. You've really got to enjoy what's going on at the moment. And Palace, uh, having initially predicted that they would really struggle this season, they are my second favourite team now because yeah. I love the way they approach the game. They're so different Great. to the Hodgson team. They're, they're so much more higher up the pitch. They go and try and win games. That Tyrick uh, Mitchell, not, there's what Mitchell an engine. Yeah, Mitchell gets forward. Will Hughes as well has been knocking around uh, these... Um, these Did, you the Did you see the skill he had? Terrific. <laughs> so they, they try and then they've got a front three that doesn't rely on Zaha. They've got Edward as a little, little mobile fella. Ayu, have, who, who always gives a seven-on-ten performance, rarely gets the, the limelight, but normally gives a seven-on-ten performance. And that is the, the base in which Conor Gallagher is able to just showcase his talents. His first goal was good. His second goal was stupendous and Palace going forward roared on by the most passionate fans you can say what you like about Anfield the Palace fans are remarkable because yeah. that noise in that bottom right hand corner oh it's the left hand corner of the TV it is just non-stop non-stop and it makes every trip to Selhurst Park a difficult one for away fans and Palace absolutely just bombarded Everton I expected Everton to be the Palace yeah, them to, yeah. to to be yeah. pressing and to to um, I expected that this season. It's been a, an about turn, but yeah, Palace, my my new second favorite team. Love what they try to achieve. And Patrick Vieira, wow, what a job he's done! Very very quickly. Yeah, I got I got to agree with this. Palace are, are good fun to watch. Well worth the entrance fee. Um, Friday night's game was Brentford two, Watford one. The Brighton versus Tottenham game was called off because of uh, a COVID outbreak at Tottenham, as was their Europa Conference League game on Thursday night. Um, that just about wraps up uh, game week 16. So you've got City on top on 38 points, Liverpool a point behind, Chelsea a further point behind, then West Ham quite a distance behind now, the top three are pulled away uh, on 28 points, Man United 27, Arsenal 26. We're off for another break, our last one. When we come back, uh, midweek action and AFF Suzuki Cup. What a great strike, what an introduction, and what a piece of refereeing, might I add. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. There will not be a win like this win again this year or many years. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And here we are, Craig Wilkie, Des Corkill, and myself looking forward to another round of EPL action. Game week 17 comes to us over, what, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, Malaysian time. Uh, Brentford are supposed to be first up 
against Man United, uh, Wednesday, 3.30 a.m. I say supposed to be because it's been reported that there's a, an outbreak of COVID within the Manchester United squad. So that may or may not go ahead. Um, Norwich City, who put on a good showing, Craig Wilkie, against uh, Man United at the weekend. Not an easy game. Uh, Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa, uh, a, a wounded animal coming to your home ground. I mean, they don't get easy for, for Smith and Norwich. No, they don't. Um, but as you say, the fixtures are coming thick and fast now. I mean, one of my life goals is actually to have my life sufficiently organised that I never we miss a fancy league deadline. But uh, I'm not sure that's <laughs> going to that never happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll see. Um, but also, like you say, you know, Norwich, they've put in some decent performances recently and they will take confidence from that. Just being competitive in games, even though they didn't get anything out of that game against United, they were in it for large parts of the game and they were playing a little bit more progressively. You know, I did feel as though they were trying to, trying to make something in terms of an, an attacking outlet. But I think one of the things that the last few weeks in the Premier League has shown is that there are very few easy games. You know, even look at what happened to the big three over the weekend. You know, they, none of them had an easy time of it. And I don't think any of those sides will be expecting easy points to be picked up over this next period. And Gerard, of course, as we know, has done a great job since, since he arrived at Villa. But especially now in that relegation zone, everybody's just fearing getting left adrift a little bit. And that's what can happen over this December, January period when you've got six or seven games all at once. If you, know, if you lose five, five of those, then all of a sudden you can find a couple of those, those teams have, have got away from you a little bit. And everybody just wants to stay in the mix right now. Nobody's going to be able to save themselves at this point, but you can get yourself in big, big trouble. And that's what Norwich will be concerned about. Yeah, 3.45 a.m., Norwich against Aston Villa. Man City versus Leeds United, Wednesday, 4 a.m., could be quite a lot of fun. Leeds put on a good show at Stamford Bridge, just going down 3-2. Um, Des, I understand Leeds are in talks to sign the Chilean, in inverted commas, Brett Brereton Diaz. I'm sorry, uh, he's not Chilean, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. The, um, Man, Man City Leeds could be fun this one. Uh, the Blackburn Salas, yeah, he's um, a <laughs> terrific, terrific player. Um, uh, Leeds, I, I've been saying this all season; they're in trouble. Uh, however, um, spirited their performance yeah. against uh, Chelsea, and however wrongly I feel that the two penalties were given against them. They lost the game and they've lost. Um, they, they've only won three all season and the goals have dried up. Um, they're, 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 they're fairly strong defensively. Actually, no, they're not that great, are they? It's a, a goal and a half a game. So at both ends of the pitch, they're struggling. I take this back to your salaries. Leeds have got the third lowest salary payments in the league. And normally the league standings prove that. And that's what we're finding with Leeds United at the moment. They, they, they haven't got um, a punch up front, particularly with Bamford out and, and um, uh, the ex-Man United player. Uh, it can, can, can be difficult, but he's not going to score you 20 goals a season. Uh, and defensively, they're not as strong as they ever were. So I really worry for, for Leeds. And Manchester City, uh, they'll just do a Manchester City thing. Pre-Christmas, they just do enough what they have to do and they're yeah. still top of the league. They've still got their best form to come. I can only see one result here. It might not be a convincing win from Manchester City, but or a Manchester City win. And that just plunges Leeds back into the relegation battle. Thursday morning sees Brighton hosting Wolves, Burnley against Watford, 
Crystal Palace again at home against Southampton. Uh, Hassan Hartel, you better know what to expect at Salah's part. But probably the standout tie of, of Thursday morning is Arsenal against West Ham. A good old London derby, Craig Wilkie. Arsenal, well, we've spoken about them. Good recovery from Arteta. Um, they, they are short of when it comes up against, when they come up against the big boys. West Ham have shown this season they can they can duke it out with with the big boys as well. So intriguing match in prospect. Yeah, definitely intriguing. I mean, West Ham are trying to be a big boy, aren't they? And that's the the question is how far are they in in that journey? And it was very interesting to me what Moyes said after the game, the the draw with Burnley, and and he just made the point that those players have set standards that are much higher. And he even made the point that in, you know in, in preseason he could say you know those guys have gone up a level, but the point is you have to maintain them. And as soon as you start to drop that level a little bit, we know in the upper reaches of the Premier League, then you're going to struggle if you can't maintain those standards. And so he was really laying that challenge down to his players. He didn't name names, but perhaps he did in the dressing room. You know, I need a little bit more out of some of you. And you've shown that you've got it, that you've given it in earlier games this season or throughout spells last season. And it just goes to show that you can't turn up at a place like Burnley and, and just expect to come away with three points. You know, you've got a graft and you've, you've got to show that quality that, that he knows his squad has. So this will be a really interesting game to see where West Ham are in relation to that. Because I think on the flip side, we're starting to get a much better idea of what sort of Arsenal will show up. It's a much more consistent Arsenal now that Arteta started to get with a bit, a bit more consistency in selection, a bit more balance about that side between your know, defence with Ramsdale we spoke about earlier players like Saka, Smith-Rowe coming back into the picture, all of that. So difficult game for West Ham, but those are the sorts of games you're going to have to win. You're going to have to play a lot better if you're going to be a serious contender for Champions League in top four. Will Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang still be on the naughty step with Mikel Arteta? Arsenal versus West Ham uh, Thursday, 4am. Friday's got three big games. Leicester against Tottenham. Des, is Tottenham's first game for a while. Their last two matches was called off because of covid we saw Leicester at the weekend, so they've got the momentum, but Conte's got a good record in the Premier League, 100% record, all wins. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see if the, if the break actually hinders them or looks at them. Remember, at this stage of the season, everyone's going, oh, too many games or too few games. Nobody's ever happy. So it'll be interesting to see if Tottenham's uh, non-COVID-effective players have been able to put their feet up and get a, a little bit of energy back. But Leicester will be absolutely buzzing after that 4-0 against Newcastle. It's amazing what a 4-0 does for you. And this is a, a, a very, very tough one. Um, both sides, because they're just at the bottom end of that European challenging place. Both sides will need this for, for, for different reasons. But I, I've, I've got the feeling that Leicester might fancy this and they might have turned a little bit of a corner because the Rodgers talk has seemed to disappear. That um, Madison was back in form. I think that was the big thing against Newcastle. James Madison uh, ran, ran that show. And, and we'll just see what, what Tottenham do. haven't made my mind up yet about Conte's Tottenham. I don't know whether he's going to be able to revolutionise them or not. I don't think Conte's made his mind up yet about that, about this Tottenham. Uh, Leicester Spurs then is Friday, 3.30 a.m. Um, if, if you, yeah, we, we fear for Rafa Benitez. He may be in the dugout for Chelsea versus Everton, but I, I don't know. This is going to be a big score, Craig Wilkie, for the side in blue, not from <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> Well, which, which side will be in blue? That's, that's the question. Um, but 
Yes, I mean, Everton haven't looked impressive for a while now. And we, we just spoke about potentially some of the pressure that, that Rafa's under. But Chelsea have come down a little bit from the heights that they were, they were setting earlier in the season. So they're not quite as formidable as perhaps they were towards the end of last season. Yeah, and they're and, conceding and maybe, goals uh, now as well, they started they? out. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the thing. There's, there's just a little bit more vulnerability around them. We, we spoke about Kante as a huge miss, for example. So if sides can get at them, then there's, there's something to be had there potentially. But the question is, do Everton even have the confidence to do that? Well, that's you know thing, that's yeah. it, and I think in the the situation that they're in that it might just be a little bit fearful let's try and shut up shop and just see how far we can we can push that but of course if if Chelsea are to score early on or even in the first half then you would expect them to go on and win this quite comfortably but one of the great things is always about the Premier League is you just never know you just never yeah, know absolutely uh, a great result for Everton will literally kickstart their season again 3.45 a.m. Friday, that one. Liverpool take on Newcastle. You fear for Rafa. You've got to fear for Eddie Howe as well, Des Corkill. <laughs> and Phil, and Phil will, will welcome Newcastle with open arms. Well, the, the, the Liverpool team will be on their case as, as much as they possibly can. Um, Liverpool have only scored... I mean, Liverpool have got this incredible record. I think for the first time since... The start of the last century, a team has scored in 26 or 27 consecutive games. It's it's incredible, Liverpool's record. And they press, they press, they press. You saw how relentless it was against Villa. I think uh, for Newcastle, they've got to show a response to that Leicester defeat. That's the big thing. Because yeah. they're, they're coming in, in here, there's nothing to lose. They're expected to lose this. But if they can really dig in and get something... Maybe, just maybe it shows that Eddie Howe doesn't have to sell all of his players and uh, <laughs> replace them when January comes and he has a base to work on. But as I said, the, um, the reaction from Newcastle is so important because there was internal bickering going on and that is the worst thing that you can have. Liverpool don't have that. Liverpool are relentless. Um, if they get in the lead early on, then you fear for Newcastle. But Newcastle have just got to show resistance. As with Chelsea and Everton, if the, the team expected to lose digs in and holds on for an hour, then the whole momentum can change and a whole season can change. And that's where we are with both Everton and Newcastle in games they are expected to lose. I predict nine goals in those two games, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, Newcastle. Not telling you which way the nine goals are going. Uh, that's your midweek, game week 17, uh, which, of course, we will talk about in full on our Friday show. Just enough time to quickly cover the Suzuki Cup. Uh, it is well underway. Uh, some teams have played three games already. Uh, group Group B action we saw last night, Craig Wilkie. Vietnam 3, Malaysia nil. Malaysia were always expected. I mean, they went into this one knowing that they were probably going to lose it, but they, they've gone in with a ravaged squad. Uh, in terms of not enough people there, uh, people down with COVID, injuries. I think there were only six, seven players on the bench. Not good enough, really. Yeah, well, well, that never helps. Although the, the not having enough players there to begin with is a, is a slightly strange situation. But, uh, and especially at this time when we know, of course, that squads can get disrupted for all sorts of reasons. they don't exactly reasons. have far uh, to travel, do they, Craig? I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, traveling is quite difficult these days, as we know, but I think you could, I think you could get there somehow. Uh, I mean, maybe there was a little bit of a sense going into the game that because Malaysia had won the first two games in the group, you know, with, with a little bit to spare, that 
that you can get a little bit of a, a false sense of confidence from that sometimes among the fans. I, I'm not sure if that was true among the squad, uh, but this was a, maybe a bit back down to earth in terms of the gulf that remains, I think, between Malaysia and Vietnam. And yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I just felt Vietnam were really impressive and they've been impressive every time I've watched them over the last two or three years. There's so much quality on the ball and they put you under pressure. It's a, it's a bit similar to Liverpool. You know, they press and they press very high and it, as soon as they regain possession, the turnovers are so fast and then the way that they break and so much composure on the ball. I, the second goal, I mean, all the goals you can look at and you can see there's, there's mistakes defensively. They're, they're not great from a Malaysian point of view. But they're so well finished. You know, they, they get men men forward in numbers to support whoever's on the ball. And uh, just, you know, they pass the ball on the net as well. There's no panic when they get in around the box. And that's that sort of quality is is what sets them apart from, from most of the other teams in the region. So I think actually Malaysia's game against in Indonesia is a much better gauge of, of where that side and where that squad are rather than Vietnam right now. That's a straight fight out for second spot, assuming Vietnam... Uh, grabs first. Laos won, Indonesia 5 was the other Group B game. Quick word, Des, about Group A and the host nation, Singapore. The way I look at it, it was always going to be Thailand winning Group A. So Singapore and the Philippines were probably fighting it out for Group for the second spot. Now, Singapore's already passed that test. They've beaten the Philippines. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't in agreement with that. I, I don't think Thailand were as good as they once were, despite that... Um, 4-0 victory over Myanmar and Tirasin score, uh, becoming the, uh, the, the highest goal scorer in the uh, ASEAN Championships. Uh, I, I've been saying on other forums, I think this is Singapore's chance because they've got players like Safwan and Harris yeah. coming towards the tail end of their career who are very, very capable. And then they've got um, Iksan Fandi and Irfan Fandi. The two Fandi, Fandis. The, the two Fandis. Iksan's a terrific striker. Irfan, is, uh, he's played AFC Champions League and, and not disgraced himself at, at all. And so I think they've got youth and they've got good um, a, a good strength and a good spine. They've got uh, uh, creativity out wide in uh, Faris Ramley. So I've been saying for quite a long time, I feel that this is an opportunity for Singapore. That Philippines game was a big test. Um, the thing that Singapore must do is avoid Vietnam in the semifinals. So if yeah. Vietnam win the group, Singapore can't afford to come second because Vietnam are eons, eons ahead of anybody else. If Vietnam don't win this championship, it's a, a real surprise. They're using it as a warm-up for their next round of World Cup qualifiers against some really, really tasty nations. So Vietnam are standout best. Singapore, though, will be very, very difficult. Thailand and uh, their new coach, Paul King, are a little bit organised than it seemed they were going to be going into this tournament. But even so, even with the superstars, Chanatip and Tirasin and uh, Tiratong coming in at left-back, you know what? I still don't think they're, team, they, they're the team they were. And Singapore have got the chance there. Singapore have won, have won um, uh, the big game against Philippines, uh, should make it to the semifinals. But avoid Vietnam. Singapore is my message. Yeah, it, to, to do that, they need Philippines to get something against Thailand. That's Tuesday. Singapore against Timor-Leste, uh, also Tuesday. On Wednesday, it's Cambodia against Laos and Indonesia against Vietnam from Group B. That's it. We're out of time. I've got to say thanks to Craig Wilkie. Thank you very much. Only question remains, how many penalties will we have to discuss come Friday? Oh, <laughs> you, you see the picture I posted. It was all penalties. Everyone taking <laughs> penalties. Uh, many thanks as well, Des Corkill. Excellent. Uh, do mark your diary for next Sunday, Malaysia versus Indonesia, 8.30. It will be winner takes all. And uh, let's get back on Malaysia's side, eh? 
Yeah. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. And that is a super finish. And boy, they're welcome back. They are very welcome back. Off the Ball, every Monday at 8pm on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.